0: Listening to the Martial Brain, the podcast that explores the intersection between the martial arts, science, critical thinking, skepticism, and that wacky organ that floats inside our skulls in a pool of cerebral spinal fluid, making life unpredictably inspiring, infuriating, and sometimes just batshit crazy. I'm Jeff Westfall for the Martial Brain. Bright Lines and Blurred Lines, Part 1 When the Obsession for Technical Skill Becomes Pathological Today I'm going to discuss things that most humans hate to think about. Complexity, subtlety, and nuance. Some objects and phenomena have characteristics that are clear to see. When water is cooled to 32 degrees Fahrenheit, it freezes into ice. When it's heated to 212 degrees Fahrenheit, it boils away and becomes steam. Those two temperatures are clear dividing lines between three obviously very different states of matter. And that's just the way we humans like it. Bright lines that separate this from that. They make life much easier. We can give a name to each thing, maybe tell a story about it, but then forget about it and get on with our lives. But when the object or phenomenon is a human, with a quirky human brain, things immediately get more complicated, sometimes much more. How many times have you laughed at something your young child did or said, and then quickly regretted laughing when the little tyke realized that he or she had caused you to laugh, and then continued and repeated the behavior until it began to drive you crazy? And then you were forced to employ the phrase that parents have used in this situation in all the various human languages since time immemorial. Okay, that's enough. Why didn't the child realize when he or she crossed the line, from cute to irritating? Obviously, it wasn't as bright a line as the one that divides water from ice. That's why one of the most important jobs for a parent is to set clear boundaries, another name for bright lines, for the behavior of their children. This is just one of many examples of human behaviors that exist on a spectrum, at one end of which is a harmless, or pleasant, or useful behavior, and at the other end of which is at best quirky, but more often harmful, toxic behavior. And there's not necessarily a bright line dividing one from the other. Now, how does this relate to the martial arts? Well, actually, there are a number of examples. Today, I'll discuss the simple concept of attention to detail, the desire for technical excellence. This is one of the most important concepts in the martial arts, as well as in life in general. I've heard from more than a few high-level teachers that what makes a great martial artist is not how many techniques you know, whatever that means, but how well you understand and execute every small detail of each technique you do know. I agree completely. But is it possible to become too detail-oriented? It can be if it causes you to lose sight of the bigger picture. To understand where I'm going with this, First, let's delve into what technique is and why it evolved. Technique is the way you execute a movement. Good technique gives you more bang for the buck, more results with less effort. If you're always on the good side of physical mismatches, meaning that you are bigger or stronger or faster than your opponent to a sufficient degree... You don't have much need for increasing your level of technical skill to survive and prevail in combat. But the development of good technique is what allows you to have a chance at success when you're on the bad side of a physical mismatch. It can also be the case that your opponent is not physically superior to you, but has significant training in the martial arts himself. Without at least an equivalent amount of training, you again land on the weak side of the mismatch. In both cases, technical skill is an equalizer. Good technique also reduces the chance for injury. Since most people will be involved in few, if any, actual violent encounters in their lifetime, and since the very essence of training is repetition over time, you are statistically much more likely to injure yourself in training than you are to be injured in a fight. This fact alone makes the pursuit of better technical skill even more important. The physical longevity to which it contributes gives you even more years to improve your technique before your body finally gives out. All this means that it's logical to develop an almost obsessive motivation to work towards better and better levels of technique. But remember that I said almost obsessive. If your focus on technical execution crowds out all other thoughts, you may have crossed that blurred line from positive into negative behavior. Sometimes an opportunity to end the fight or the match, or at least gain a huge advantage all at once, presents itself. But you're out of position to take advantage, at least in a way that is normally technically sound, In situations like this, the only way to take advantage of the opportunity may well be to do something that doesn't even approach elegantly executed technique, but gets the job done because it was there at the right moment. This is sometimes referred to as winning ugly. This happens in football when a right-handed quarterback is running to his left and cannot find an open receiver downfield but does have an eligible teammate close by who is open and will only be open for a split second. There's no time to stop, plant his feet, rotate his shoulders, and properly prepare the pass. His best option is to execute an ugly little right-handed wrist flip or an awkward left-handed pass to this open player and hope that he can advance the ball from there. Now, neither of these passing methods would be considered correct technique for passing, under normal circumstances. Indeed, they are frequently referred to as ugly. But results speak for themselves. In the martial arts, similar events occur all the time, when your opponent has a momentary brain lapse that gives you a brief but real opportunity that can only be exploited in a way that some purists of technique might consider sloppy. Such lapses are rare when facing good opponents, but do still happen, since we are all fallible humans. For example, there are moments in boxing when your opponent leaves a small opening for a brief moment that only your lead hand can get to in time, but that lead hand is momentarily out of position across the center line, perhaps after executing some sort of defensive manipulation. In such cases, you can land an ugly punch that travels the route that a backhand blow would take, but lands legally with the front of the knuckles. Some coaches might cringe upon seeing their student throw such an ugly punch. I would applaud his or her quick thinking and ability to think outside the box, despite the fact that there is a good reason for the box to exist. When takedowns or throws are a goal, Whether it be in wrestling, judo, sambo, MMA, Muay Thai, or whatever else, there'll be times when your adversary has a momentary brain fart, standing just a bit off balance, while you are also momentarily out of position for more conventional takedowns. At times like this, you might be able to drop your opponent to the mat by simply pulling or pushing with your hands. Not pretty, but effective. There are, naturally, many more examples of this phenomenon from many different arts. Now here's where we get to where an obsession with technique can cross the line. Some athletes are so obsessive about technical virtuosity that they would actually pass up opportunities like the ones I've described, rather than execute a movement that falls short of their standards for good technique. Another layer of this phenomenon occurs when a martial artist refuses to learn or use a technique that is outside the canon of his or her style. Martial artists who are daring enough to commit such a scandalous act risk being judged as having used poor technique by purists of the style. Bruce Lee understood both layers of this pathological obsession with technique over results very well he was frequently chastised by critics in the traditional martial arts community for being genetically gifted, but having flawed technique. While no one is perfect, Mr. Lee was actually powerfully interested in technical skill. One reason many of his martial contemporaries loudly criticized his technique was to salve their own jealous egos, to cope with their resentment of his success. Another reason, one that came from misplaced cultural chauvinism by some members of the Chinese martial arts community, was a feeling that Mr. Li was betraying his heritage by pursuing knowledge of non-Chinese and, even worse, non-Asian martial arts. Mr. Li would often repeat a parable to illustrate such pathological obsession with technique over results. But before I relate the parable for you, I need to tell you about one of the greatest athletes to ever walk, and more importantly, to run, the earth. He was Bob Bullet Hayes. Now you would have a lot of company among sports enthusiasts if you argued that Bob Hayes was the greatest sprinter in history, at least until the appearance of the incredible Usain Bolt about 50 years later. His competition career occurred in college in which he won 60 of the 62 finals he competed in, in both the 100 meters and 100 yards, usually against world-class competition. He won the gold medal in the 100-meter dash at the 1964 Olympics in Tokyo, setting a new world record of 10 seconds flat. The backup stopwatch had his time unofficially at 9.9 seconds. After college, he played wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys for 10 years. In those days, all pass defense was man-to-man. The zone defense had yet to be invented. Bob Hayes was so fast that he was nearly impossible for defensive backs to cover man-to-man. Who do you assign to cover the fastest man on the planet? It became necessary to invent zone defense to prevent him from utterly blowing up the games. He quite literally and single-handedly changed the way football is played. When he retired after a decade of playing, he had averaged 20 yards a catch. That's for more than 10 years. Now let's get back to Bruce Lee's parable. Present as spectators at the final heat of the 100-meter dash at the 64 Olympics, were two Chinese martial artists. They watched carefully as Bob Hayes burst through the tape, winning the race and the gold medal, securing for himself the lofty title of The Fastest Man Alive. Unmoved at experiencing the privilege of witnessing this amazing feat of sheer speed, and in stark contrast to everyone around them cheering wildly, one of the gentlemen turned to the other with a bored expression shaking his head in disapproval, and asked, Did you see that? Yes, said the other man with a lofty, arrogant tone. His technique was terrible. Did you see his heel come up? Now this is a brilliant illustration of my subject today. You could call it technique snobbery. Of course, when training, you should strive to approach the best technique that is humanly possible. That's accepted as given. But in the final analysis, technique is only a means to an end, not an end in itself. Now, I don't claim to have any qualifications to diagnose mental illness, but I've seen cases of this toxic obsession that, to me, seem to cross the line into obsessive-compulsive disorder. In any case, let me finish with Bruce Lee's immortal words. Efficiency is anything that scores. Next time, I'll discuss yet more ways that human behavior can cross the line into the dark end of the spectrum. Anyway, that's what I think. But I could be wrong. Let me know what you think, and check out old episodes of the Martial Brain podcast at my website, rpmartialarts.com com i'm jeff westfall for the martial brain the martial brain is produced by raging squirrel productions in association with the rising phoenix martial arts academy if you like the podcast and would like to help it grow Go to iTunes or Stitcher and give it an honest rating and review. Contact me with questions about the martial brain or about the Rising Phoenix Academy at my website, rpmartialarts.com.